if you are expecting the proverbial Christmas message today, I would suggest you come back tonight. Chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing walls by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and he peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and are in God's household having been built in the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into the holy temple in the Lord, and in whom you also are being built together into the dwelling of God in the Spirit. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the unity that does exist in the body of Christ. That, Father, it is an answer to Jesus' prayer. And that, Father, that we who are united in the person and the privileges and the power and the word of God, Father, we are the ones that the world sees and are attracted to. Help us to maintain that unity in love and truth. But, Father, may we also understand these are dangerous times. And that, Father, many of the things that we see in the nation of Israel is true to the body of Christ today. Help us, Lord. Help us to stand firm with doctrine. But, Father, help us to do it with compassion and love in such a way that the world wants to know the hope that is within your people. In Christ's name, amen. I shared with you last week was laying a foundation for this text. It's a unity of the body we see that there is an alienation apart from Christ, and we see there is unity in Christ, and we see a summary. That is your outline. But in John's Gospel, chapter 17, that is the Lord's Prayer. That's when Jesus prays. And he prayed that we would be one in the body as Christ and the Father are one. So he tells us what the standard is, but he also tells us what the power is and the privilege is. I also shared with you last week, 1 Corinthians 10, that Israel was given to us, the church, as what not to do. But by golly, we are determined, bunch of people, ain't we? 
See, I can show you in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, there was disunity in the body. So to say that there's disunity in the church and it's a new phenomenon is foolish. It has been going on since Corinth. It went on before that. The apostle Paul rebuked Peter because he played favoritisms between the Gentiles and the Jews. He was very friendly and open to the Gentiles. And then when Jews showed up, he isolated himself. So that's this, this isn't a new phenomenon. Okay, The real problem that exists is still the church against the church and Christians against Christians. We had uh, a discussion with that just this week. King James only. And I don't sit there going, really? Is this what? I'm positive that the Lord Jesus Christ did not speak in King's English. Okay? I am absolutely positive of that. And not only that, I had the privilege of seeing the 1553 version of the Bible, which was translated by a German named John Calvin and given to John Knox that you and I have is the 1611 King James Bible. I saw it. I read it. Okay? And I read Philippians chapter 1 from my New American Standard and Philippians chapter 1 from this Bible that was presented to John Knox who presented it to a guy named Prince James in 1553 and they were verbatim. Okay. Now, I will agree that there are different translations of the Bible. There is a translation of the Bible, and then there's transliteration of the Bible. Translation of the Bible, it says, I am taking it word for word. This is how it looks. Transliteration says, I'm going to take it by thought. Taking it by thought can get you into trouble. All right. Please be warned. Translation of the Bible can't get you into trouble. Okay. And there's just something about thou father who art in heaven is I just can't go can't go there. I was having a discussion with Stephanie this morning. King James butchers the word agape or agapo. They call it charity. That is not what that word means. So <laughs> What, what can I say? But I see this all the time. Disunity in the church. You know, we have a church in Castle Rock. That is for homeschoolers. What the heck is that? I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me at all. I know a church right now. Their emphasis is millennials. What you're doing is causing disunity. And I don't care what you say. So to say that this isn't a problem. No, it's a problem. It's always been a problem. Disunity. And um, I believe that it's extraordinarily intense in the New Testament time. In the New Testament time, at the birth of the church, the intensity was Jew versus Gentile. That's what the Apostle Paul is speaking of in this text. Verse 14 of this chapter. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups. Okay, what's the two groups? Jew and the Gentile. Okay, one. And he broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Right? This wall separates people. 
It separates people. He makes the statement there in verse 13, or in verse 17, those who are near and those who are far off. Okay? See, Paul understood this. Remember, Paul was set aside to be the apostle to who? To the Gentiles. All right? But think about the apostle Paul. Why wasn't Luke the apostle? Oh, wait, he didn't hang out with him. He took a legalistic Jew and made him the messenger to the Gentiles. I find that fascinating. See, Paul knew what this divide was. Paul knew what the wall was, and he understood how tremendous it was. He also understood how far off the Gentiles were, how far from God, how far from the temple, how far from the covenants the Gentiles were. Yet, if you go look at the description of the temple, you will see that there was the Holy of Holies. Okay, then there was the court of the Jews. You know what was next? Court of the Gentiles. Then it was the court of the women. Okay. So all along, God has had this plan. The Gentiles were far from God. The Gentiles were far off from the temple. They were far off from the covenant. And then the near Jews had been exposed to God's truth in the Old Testament. And yet between that a great wall, a great chasm had grown. In Christ, Paul wants us to know and to tear down that wall. Destroy it. Unify in Christ. Be in one. And you know what? That's the unity of the body. That's this 11 through 22 of chapter 2. Okay? Remember, chapter 1... Paul says, this is what God's master plan for the body is. Chapter 2, how God made it by redeeming each of us by grace through faith and making everyone one in Christ. Even Jew and Gentile. Even slave and free. Even male and female. Do you understand that in Christ all distinctions are removed? Every one of them. And yet look at us. Listen, we have to face this disunity because it has been around since the Apostle Paul. God selected the Jews to be his people. Please understand. I don't want to ever downplay that. All right? You don't believe me? Ask yourself a simple question. Is there any animosity between the Jews and the Arabs and the Palestinians? You know why? The Jews have the audacity to believe they are God's chosen people. When we all know that the Arabs were first male born. We all know that Esau was before Jacob. And yet, they claim to be preeminent in God. 
Isn't it funny? There's no question about it. Amos chapter 3, verse 20. Amos 3, verse 20. Israel only have I known among all the peoples of the earth. That seems pretty straightforward to me. Israel is a special nation. I was in Israel a number of years ago. And uh, I got to deal with a bunch of the IDF people. Israeli Defense Force people. Wonderful people. And uh, I remember talking to this colonel. It was a lady. And uh, she would smile at me. She says, you need to understand something about Israel. I said, what's that? He says, there's 5 million of us and there's 50 million of us. 50 million neighbors want to see us obliterated. So what seems to be the holdup? Oh, that's God's special nation. It was a sovereign act of God's will to choose Israel. God just did it. You know, I get, I watch, listen to people get, well, why do you go with the predestination? Well, then why didn't God choose Scotland? He chose Israel. I think he should have chose the Scots. They talk funnier. But God did it. He did it his way. He never chose to be he never chose Israel to be a container. He, contro- he chose Israel to be a channel. Okay? He wanted Israel to pour through God's blessings to the world. That is Israel's place. Now, technically, tomorrow, we will celebrate the pouring through. The founder of the church was Jewish. Okay? The foundation of the church was Jewish. I'm reading a book right now. It's a, an amazing book. It blows up a lot of your and my preconceived notions. But it is Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes. And we don't think about that. But I hate to break the news to you. Jesus wasn't born in the Midwest. The psalmist tells us, they will show forth my praises. Israel was to be a channel. Israel was not the end, but the means to an end. Okay? You know what? It's amazing. God hasn't changed. That's the old covenant. But you know what Jesus said? Go into all of the worlds and preach the gospel to every ethos. You know what that is? Every ethnic group. To all the nations. It does not matter. Remember, God so loved the world. Not the Jews. Not the Semitics. He so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. R.C. Sproul said it this way. God so loved the world, he began to recover lost men. I think that's kind of cool. To the extent and to show his grace. That was Israel's plan. 
To show God's forgiveness, that was what Israel was supposed to do. To show God's mercy, that's what Israel was supposed to do. So around the globe, around the globe. Listen, it's always been that plan. Israel wasn't supposed to be the single place of God's grace. Israel was to be a channel for God to reach the world. So, guess what? He set them apart. I want to set you apart from the world. I want you to reach the world, but I have to set you apart. Why? Because I want the world to take notice. I want the world to take notice. Okay, but in taking notice, I need you to stay spiritually separated. You think about it for a minute. If you spend most of your time with lost people, what do you suppose you're going to look like? Okay, so ask yourself a question. Where do I spend most of my time? Because it will taint your spirit. You know, people say, well, Terry, it sounds like you like to be by yourself all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. It's safer. Okay? Because I can't be with Christians all the time. So it's safer if I stay by myself. Because usually if I'm by myself, I'm just hanging out with like Paul. Or maybe John. Or Ringo. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. Okay? But if I'm by, if that's what I'm doing, I'm in the book. Or I'm in a book that is historical about the book. God wanted the whole world to take notice, but he wanted Israel to be, remain spiritually separated. Since the call of Abraham, God has given them a difference. God wants the world to see That difference. Okay, listen. You cannot blend that nation with any other nation. Alright? Here's two reasons. One, God wanted to call attention to the world. Look. These people. Two, He wanted to keep them separate. From the world. Alright. Do you realize that they never fell into idolatry since the Babylonian captivity? Did you know that? That's pretty amazing if you think about it. It's not like there still ain't idolatry around. I mean, you may have secular Judaism, but there ain't no idols. Balak wanted Balaam to change the doctrine of the Jews. You know what Balaam told him? I ain't doing that. I know who I'm messing with. So you know what he got them to do? Fall into their nations, into their promiscuity. Marry outside of the Jewish lineage. Do you hear what I just said? That way, what do you do? You corrupt their distinction. 
Does anybody get an idea there why we should not marry unbelievers? When you see Solomon, ask him how that worked. Solomon understood it, but he wouldn't sway because he's the king. Oh, really? What happened? He was led astray. See, to keep them separate, God understood that the Jews had a strict laws. They had, they had strict laws on clothing. They had strict laws for dietary. They had strict laws for marriage. They had strict laws for worship. They had strict laws for their festivals. They had strict laws for their customs. They even had strict laws for the possession of land. We went through that in Leviticus. Listen, technically, if you look at the Jewish nation as God ordained it, they could not fit into another society. None. Remember when Daniel and his friends were taken captive? And they said, we want to stay with our dietary laws. We don't want to eat the king's stuff. And yet they still gained weight. That's the way God wanted it. So they were to be so different that the world had to take notice. The world would say, what is this a people with one God? How many times do you read in the Old Testament, who has a God like the Israelites? Because they were a channel. But then, there's history. Instead of seeing themselves as a witness, instead of seeing their difference as a way to reach people, instead of standing up and proclaiming, I am different because God has made me different. It became an excuse for carnality. It became an excuse for selfishness. It became an excuse for self-glorification. It became an excuse for exalting. It became an excuse for pride. First Corinthians, I shared this. I'm going to go back to it because I am convinced. Well, I'll just read it. Chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers, that would be the Jews, this is Paul writing, were under a cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking the spiritual rock which followed them. And that rock was Jesus. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, and they were laid low in the wilderness. Now, these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they craved. You know what he just said there? Church, be warned. 
Be warned. It's a warning to us. We are to be different. We are to be completely different than the world. We should walk different. We should talk different. We should think different. Paul later in this letter to the Ephesians will say, Do not walk as the Gentiles in the vanity of their minds. Walk in love. Walk in light. Walk in wisdom. Walk in the Spirit. What is your conversation? What is your life? What is your walk? It should be totally different than the world. Paul wanted the Corinthians to take note. This hope keeps us separate. Do not be as my father's. We want the world to see the difference. Why? And the Father will be glorified. We can share that Jesus did it. And how he can do it for them. So it breaks my heart right now to watch the church in Castle Rock. Looks like the world in the name of Christ. Looks just like it. Looks just like it. And yet we are to be different. What does the church, quote unquote contemporary church, offer that I can't get from a rock concert? Listen, this is what Israel should have done. But what happened? Pride. Pride. Listen to what I just give you an illustration of. The Israel celebrated it. They were proud of their differences. They elevated themselves as if they were better. Listen. I've been in this town for a long time. This is what is happening in Christianity in this town. When a person can sit and debate that if you do not have the King James Bible and become adamantly and belligerent about it, you know what you just told me? I am proud of where I stand. When I have to go to a church that is for homeschoolers only, you know what you just told me? all over the place. Well, I'm only going to a church that's got contemporary worship. Hmm. 43 chapters written on how to worship God in the Old Testament. There's three on creation. Hmm. Which one do you think is important? Thinking they are better. When that happens, guess what? The same thing happened to Israel. They stop being a channel to the world. They become their own little group. And you don't think that ain't true? Really? Go check out the bumper stickers. Go read them. They have their own little lingo. They have their own radio stations. They have their own television shows. 
They have their own books. And guess what? It becomes just us. Romans chapter 9 through 11. We all talk about that. and That's good stuff. That's good stuff. We've been grafted in. You better read the context of that. Because he's telling us, you can be ungrafted as easily as you can be grafted. I removed branches that were Israel to put you in there. You act like them, I'll put Israel back. John Calvin never wrote a word on the book of Revelations. You know why? It's about Israel. And John Calvin looked around in 1500s and says, there ain't one. You know what Revelation tells me? God reestablishes His covenant because right now they've been set apart. Why? They went from being a channel to a container. Paul even warned the Romans, I can replace those grafted in branches. See, that's what happened to Israel. From the channel, they went to pride. Then God blocked the channel. He set them aside. He cut a new channel. A new channel. Fresh channel. And he called it the Ecclesias. The Ecclesias. The called out ones. That's the term that we translate church. Israel's pride failed them. Listen, Israel kept the ceremonies. Israel kept the rituals. But you know what? They forgot the spirit. All right? Now, I want to show you something. Because do not think you're immune to this. Each and every one of you. The last letter the Apostle Paul wrote is 2 Timothy. Okay? Chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. Verse 1. But realize this. That in the last days, difficult times will come. Alright? Well, amen, brothers. You... Did you watch CNN or Fox News? Yeah, I see it all over. It's all, it's terrible. Now, here it is. He lays it out. For men will be lovers of self. Charles Spurgeon says that's the sewer pipe that the rest of this comes out of. And of course, we everybody jumps on it and says, See, Paul's telling Timothy what the lost are like. No, he ain't. Look at verse 5. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. You know what he's talking about? The church. The church. Listen, I've been around lost people. They do not hold to a form of godliness. They are not concerned about a form of godliness. I have seen bumper stickers and window stickers of churches here in Castle Rock. And driving around, and I am thankful that their cars are saved. I've had more people driving those cars flip me off than I have in Los Angeles. And that's amazing to me. But it tells me something very valuable. 
I am not going to get bumper stickers for this church. (laughs) I do not want to tempt your sanctification. When you have a form of godliness and deny its power, do you realize that you have absolutely no message to give? You can celebrate the rituals, you can celebrate the ceremonies, and yet, you know what they become? A point of pride. Point of pride. Now listen, I'm going to give you an illustration of this. All right? Old Testament. Okay? I call him the, the fish bait prophet. Jonah. God approaches his prophet. Go preach repentance to Nineveh. Now listen, if you're a prophet and God tells you to go do that, then you know that God's getting ready to do something, right? But Jonah didn't want to see any Gentiles saved. But, if I've learned anything, I can tell you that reluctance doesn't work ever and guess what there's nothing worse to a fish than a disobedient prophet and it makes anybody want to throw up puked him up on the shore he went to Nineveh and guess what happened the whole city repented And you know what's amazing about that? When he got done, Jonah was still mad. That is man twisting God's intentions. And you know what? That is still religious orthodoxy of Judaism. They still dislike the Gentiles. I shared with you when I was in Moscow a couple of months ago that it was some kind of exodus going on there. I had a whole plane full of Jews that I was flying with. And I was asking them questions. Are you going for a festival or a holiday? I mean, is there some kind of celebration? And they had no desire to interact or even answer a Gentile. The only answer that I got was, none of your business. I'm a Gentile. And all I could think was, oh, I'm going to land on Friday, because if I could get there on a Sabbath, then I could touch every one of them, and they'd all be defiled. <laughs> Listen, what happens is there's no compassion. I was asking questions. I want to know what the heck is going on. Why is this? What is this happening? I mean, is something happening in Newark that, you know, we need to get out of Dodge or what is this? Listen, it broke my heart to see God's people act that way. And yet I'm familiar enough with the Old Testament to say it's not new. But you know what? I see this in the church. Brothers and sisters, I'm not sure I don't see it here. 
Compassion is replaced by contempt. Even Isaiah says, come, let us reason together from the scriptures. And yet I see so many people who are convinced that I am the expert. I know what this says. I see a lack in the body of Christ of looking up in love and pleading from our knees to looking down in pride. I pray that we don't uh, have a widening of the gap between the lost and the church. I've got a guy that comes into my office every Sunday morning who is lost as the day is long. And I've got to be honest with you, there's time he is just about as annoying as the day is long. But for whatever reason, my king keeps bringing him back. He keeps coming back. And I've talked to him about it, the king. Hey, between you and me, Lord... This here is a waste of time. But he's reminded how many people looked at me as a waste of time. What if he's the last one? What if he comes to salvation and poof, we're out of here? That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. The first thing, because could you hurry? <laughs> You're wasting time. Listen, do you remember Jesus saying, You are salt and light? And I've heard all, I have heard such great theological dissertations on what that means. You know what it means? You are salt and light in a land of decay and darkness. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it. You can't really write a book on that. I mean, it would be a pamphlet. But if you look around, it's dark and it's decaying. I heard somebody say one time, we are not of the world. Amen. And then he used this illustration. We are the boat that is in the water. It becomes a problem when the water is in the boat. I said, yeah. Because that is pride and animosity. Listen, I can understand the Jewish points. Now listen, I want to always understand this. I understand the Jewish point of, it, uh, of conflict. Listen, always, 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 since Abraham, Gentiles have oppressed the Jews. There has never been a race of people so subjected to so much hatred as the Jews. Never. Okay? So there's always two sides. Alright? The Gentiles throughout history have viewed the Jews as slaves. 
They have oppressed the Jews. They have slaughtered the Jews. They have persecuted the Jews. And it does not matter which civilization you look at. It can be the Egyptians. It can be the Syrians. It can be the Persians. It can be the Babylonians. It can be the Greeks. It can be the Romans. Go down the line. It doesn't stop. Even the Germans. That grows contempt in the nation of Israel toward the Gentiles. Look at the stuff that's going on right now in the United Nations. I am still, to my, it does, it's mind-boggling to me. The Palestinians are willing to slaughter innocent people, but the Jews are evil. What? Listen, this grows that contempt, and as it grows that contempt, this wall goes up, the separation grows and grows and grows, and you even see it today. You can see it in Jesus this time. The Jews, this grows into such, and festers into such a bitterness that there are Jewish writings in the Mishnah that says the Jews thought that the Gentiles were created by God for fuel to be used in hell. The Talmud teaches that only Israel is loved by God. All nations were hated. It also teaches that it was it's not lawful to aid a Gentile mother giving birth to a baby because then you would be responsible for bringing another Gentile into the world. Okay? There's a little area between the, the northern part of Israel and the southern part of Israel. It's a big chunk of what you know today as the Gaza. Okay? During Jesus' time, it was called Samaria. Okay? And what Samaria was, was Jews who had married Gentiles. Okay? These were worse than Gentiles. Alright? If a Jew was down toward Bethlehem and wanted to go north, he would have to go through Samaria. Instead, he would go straight east, cross the Jordan River, go north until he got above Jerusalem, and then come back so he would not go through Samaria. When a Jew left Israel, when they returned to the land, they immediately washed their feet off so they could get the Gentile dirt off their feet. If a Jew married a Gentile... The family had a funeral. To be intimate with a Gentile was equal to death. Had a very dear friend of mine years ago, Norm Magnus, uh, Orthodox Jew out of Baltimore, came to Christ. Shared the gospel with his family. The following day, they had a funeral for him and a tombstone put in a family plot in the cemetery in Baltimore. They never acknowledged Norm ever again. <laughs> You're just stirring stuff up here, ain't you? He never saw his family ever again. They disowned him. He was 
unlawful for a Jew to go into a Gentile home because they believed that when their babies died that they hid them in the drains, they'd be in contact with a dead body. They believed that if they went into a Gentile house and if they ate with the Gentiles, then the utensils that they used would bring the demons into their bodies. So that separation grew wider and wider. That's why they were so friendly to me on that plane. They turned a ceremonial law into a way to alienate instead of being a set-apart channel by which they could speak. Okay? I'm going to close with this because I want you to remember these things. We were warned as the church, don't do what Israel did. Okay? Remember Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan? Remember that? Do you know what a Samaritan is? A Jew who married a Gentile. But it was a good Samaritan. Why? They looked on the man with compassion. Do you realize the first time Jesus shared the gospel, who it was with? A Samaritan woman at the well. He already set the pattern. Remember Peter, after Pentecost, had a vision? Right? And the first person that he reached, when he saw the food come down, give thanks, and then after it disappeared, what was he supposed to do? Go to Joppa, the house of a centurion Gentile. I mean, do you realize how difficult it would be for the Apostle Paul to be told you are an apostle to the Gentiles? And yet, the church don't get that. The church don't understand that. The church has pride. Why? I have truth. You don't know truth. Really? At one point, you didn't have truth. And understand that what you have was a gift. Was a gift. We're all Gentiles, I think. I'm Scottish. I still don't know why we weren't called. <laughs> That's what it's about, brother and sister. For the Jew and the Gentile to be together, that freaked Paul out. But Paul also knew his Bible well enough that that's always been God's plan. And yet there's times that we get cranky about it. Why? Well, I don't want to share the gospel with them. I don't even like them. That ain't our option. That ain't our option. We are to sow seed. The harvest is up to the Lord. Remember, all of us at one point were alienated from Christ. And it is through the Jews the blessing has come. But it was the called out Jews, the ecclesia of the nation of Israel. 
And you and I are part of that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things that we will celebrate. Father, I pray for each and every one of us as uh, we move into this holiday that we understand it's about you. And that, Father, what we should be doing for your glory. Help us, Lord. Help us to walk in a manner worthy. Help us to understand the urgency of the day. Help us understand the privilege that we have being children of the Most High God. To you, my Lord and my Savior, in Christ's name, amen.